And we're live. Is that what you're gonna say? Oh, that's the bowl. You put it uh, in the candy bowl. Say that thing you just said about the blue cheese again. Do you ever put blue cheese in the oven? I've never done that. You know it melts. Oh, blue cheese. I was thinking of ranch for some reason. No, what the <laughs> <laughs> ranch? Midwesterners and their ranch. Messed up. But that's not what we're here to talk about. <laughs> yeah. So. uh Welcome back to another installment um, of That's the Shake Shake Shake. What's <laughs> that? Shaking the pot at you. Much ado about nothing. Oh, <laughs> we're, we're doing a Dune episode. <laughs> and we have two very special guests with us today. The first is the director of the new Dune film. I'm going to let him introduce himself. Hi, my name is Denis Villeneuve. And we also have <laughs> a much more esteemed guest. <laughs> a highly anticipated. This is you're our first guest on the show. Feels um, good. Feels good. So this is a longtime friend of both of ours. Uh, collaborator, inspirer, uh, giver of movie news, motivational speaker, mm-hmm. exercise enthusiast, mm-hmm. big yoga guy, big, <laughs> big yoga guy. <laughs> but he's a uh, he's a up and coming movie critic and um i mean i think up and coming is an interesting way to describe someone with a back catalog of over like 200 reviews 200 i don't know actually, I don't know I actually no yeah it is actually over 200 it's right. like two he's a, 230 he's a well-established movie critic i mean to undercut you yeah. it's just an interesting <laughs> it's like calling Lil wayne an up-and-coming rapper like he's got work ba- basically the- i am little wayne yeah, that's what we're trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> Little Tanuki. Why is he called that? Little Tanuki? Yeah. I think he's from New Orleans, Orleans. that's why. <laughs> Look it up. It's, isn't it Tunchi? Oh. It's from his, it's, are you, like, reading it? <laughs> like, what, in what, like, I feel like you always just hear it. <laughs> I don't know. I thought it was his Twitter handle. Okay, we've belabored this introduction way too long. It is Austin Gooch, the movie worm himself. Movie worm. Excited mm-hmm. to have you mm-hmm. on the show. I'm excited. Ready to talk some Dune. Yeah, and so if it wasn't clear already, today's episode is about the recent film Dune. Uh, we're here to basically debate the yeah. movie, discuss, and, debate, discuss, mm-hmm. criticize. Um, yeah. So I don't know. Is there anything else we need to include in the intro? How are you guys? Do you think Timothy Chalamet is hot? Um, there's a lot of people do. Angles, angles help. You're just saying he's pretty from a specific angle? Couple. About, about 360 different angles, probably. That's like all that's of them, Austin. That's, like, <laughs> that's actually all of them. Fun bag. No, I think he's attractive. I think he looks... He's He has a very like distinct look. This is true. That like malnourished Victorian boy thing. Yeah, and he looks really young. He's 25, I think. Wait, he he's, looks, he's older than us? 25. Are you dead ass? He's playing really well. Welcome back to my favorite segment. Are you dead ass? <laughs> we should, that should be a recurring segment. <laughs> it's, uh, can it be for things that you didn't know, but are common knowledge, like that Boston's the capital of Massachusetts? Are you dead ass? <laughs> are you dead ass me right now? <laughs> <laughs> the biggest city is never the capital. What the fuck is going on in Massachusetts? Yeah, but it's like historic, you know? Although I guess New York is historic. Yeah, what the fuck is historic about Annapolis? He's 25. Oh my god. Yeah. It's about the right age to play Willy Wonka. That's his next role. 
Is there a wrong age to play Willy Wonka? Yeah. You gotta be like that perfect age between like 20 and 40. How old was, what's his name when he did it? Not Depp, the other one. Wait, the other one? Oh, from the, the yeah, original from, from like the 70s, right? Is that famous? I feel like I should know his name. Fun story about Willy Gene Wonka. Simmons. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> no, fun story about that movie though, is I saw it as a child, as a young kid. forgot that I had ever seen it, but occasionally it would pop up in my nightmares. <laughs> and I literally just thought that it was what part kid of my imagination. You? What kid was I? Yeah. I'm, I'm Nick. No, <laughs> <laughs> like in the movie, like what, or in your dream, yeah, what was like what was your role in the in or what what was scary? I think it was more just like absurd, like the scene where that girl blows up like a blueberry. Yeah, that's really disturbing, right? It's like, fair. yeah, no, that's fair. Because yeah. the the other boy, like, if you had claustrophobia, being trapped in a tube of liquid where you could like couldn't breathe is a very scary scenario. I mean, he's like killing off the kids. That's the point, right? They're I don't like think bad they die. kids. It's like the it's like the first Hunger Games. Okay. That's essentially what it is. There's a lot of food. They get their they hungry. Their <laughs> their <laughs> nominees. It's a bad podcast. Or their <laughs> their chosen um, champions, and it's like a survival to the well, death. It's interesting because the Hunger Games, you don't want to be in it, but the Golden Ticket race. I mean, it was very coveted. Like right. That's the, why the Cowboys' dad spent like a lot of money trying to get it. Mm-hmm. Well, that's why. The Hunger Games is a parody of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Oh, that's yeah. a that's a little known movie fact. <laughs> <laughs> movie fact. <laughs> movie fact. Coming at you live on the movie world. <laughs> Alright, let's talk about Dune. Let's talk so, about Dune. I think I'm just gonna give a very brief high-level summary. So there are spoilers in this episode. Mm-hmm. Alright. So Dune, the movie is based on the book, which was written by Frank Herbert a while ago. Like which is based on a true story. I think it's, right? si- I think it's 65. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking. Um, yeah, and so the movie just covers half the book, so it's going to be a two-part movie series. And um, it takes place in a future world where uh, people have like colonized the galaxy, basically. And they're on all these different planets. But they've done it without, basically without AI, like artificial mm-hmm. intelligence. And so instead of using, like, robots and computers to do all their um, calculating and stuff... They use space Adderall. Basically, yeah. (laughs) People have, like, evolved to perform these functions, and they use this substance called melange? Melange? Uh, I can't the remember. Spice. The, the spice. It's the spice. It's the spice. <laughs> hey, it's the spice. Ooh, mm-hmm. a little spice. Spicy. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually the biggest... Um, misconception in the movie or the biggest scientific fallacy is that white people are doing a lot of things called the spice. <laughs> Very much so. Not in line with real life where... Ah. High, high spice talk. Yeah. I would argue later on that it actually does make sense that they are mostly white taking part in the spice. Bro, I'll lay, I'll lay it down on you. <laughs> but they, yeah, right, so, the, so they, they're like organized in like sort of an imperial feudal system. So there's like an emperor of like the galaxy or like mm-hmm. the known universe and then there are all these noble houses that like control planets and so the main character is Paul he is the son of the duke of the house Atreides am I saying that right? Yeah, Duke yeah. Leto of the house Atreides. Yeah, and so all of the spice, this like super valuable resource, it all comes from one planet called Arrakis or Dune and at the start of the book, uh, Paul and his 
his house, his family, has like been part of this big like property bargain swap with their rival house, the, Har- the Harkonnens. And so Paul's family is going to Dune and the Harkonnens are leaving Dune. And it's this big um, exchange of territory, basically. So that's the start of the book. I think I'll just leave it at that and we can mm-hmm. get into yeah, it. Yeah, and I just want to maybe expand on spice itself. Um, Spicy. When he says that it has enabled them to basically travel the stars, its main power is essentially light travel, light speed. Mm-hmm. Um, that's basically what it's used for, and it's one of the most valuable resources in the entire galaxy, universe, whatever you want to call it. It's the most sought-after thing yeah. out of anything. I was a little unclear on it in the movie. I didn't understand that it was exclusive to Arrakis. I thought you could get it from a lot of planets, but Arrakis, it was just super concentrated. So I guess now I understand that a little bit. It is only on Arrakis, Yeah, right? yeah. It's just, it's just Arrakis um, that has this, this special substance. Well, then how did they get to Arrakis, then? To begin with? Yeah. It's a good question. Yeah, I guess I don't know. I guess it's just established that they've kind of been there for thousands of years and like just the way it's set up it makes it seem like it would make more sense that the Fremen or like the inhabitants of Arrakis would have gone from there to everywhere else instead of everywhere else coming to them as it's in the movie just because they have the spice first well essentially the the Fremen don't use spice in the same way so spice in itself is it's a two-sided coin so on one, it, it it enhances a person's ability, it enables light travel, but on the other hand, it's highly addictive. So basically, if you're exposed to, like, the people on the world of Heraclius, if you're exposed to it, you know, eating in your food, breathing it in the air, your eyes will turn blue, you'll start to see things, it enhances, but also inhibits a lot of your abilities. It's... It's a dangerous yeah. thing. No. Like you, you once once you're on spice, you you can't get off it. I feel the exact otherwise you'll die. Way about my Ritalin for sure. For sure. <laughs> so it's it's def, it's definitely inhibiting and saying like, okay, why didn't they go somewhere else? Well, there wouldn't be any spice. No, they, I know. They couldn't. But then how did everybody else get? Well, it's not important. Yeah, right, not right, 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 right. I understand what you're saying, and not it's, maybe it is a plot hole, but. Not important. Dune has like 24 books, so I'm assuming it's established that maybe there's like a, Somewhere you know, the origins of Arrakis or something like that. I'm sure there's a book for it. Um, I don't know if I clarified this earlier, but the Fremen are the people who are native to Arrakis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, so there's like a ton of like sci-fi words and yeah. like details yeah. about this. Um, but yeah, and then also to clarify, so we've all seen the movie. Mm-hmm. And then Austin and I have also read the book. Yeah. I have forgotten how to read since leaving high school, so I cannot say that I've read the book, unfortunately. So fair defense, yeah. So okay, so let's just open it up now. So like what did you guys think of the movie? Let's just let's just dive into it. I mean, I essentially liked it. Um <clears throat> you know, once you read the book, you you tend to compare it to the book, um, especially if you read it before the movie. Um there were there were some discrepancies, um, which is um expected when you're in uh, adapting anything you're gonna have to drop some things you're gonna have to expand on some other things especially a dense book which right from what i understand yeah. dune was very long yes very long book. so dune in the book is told in the third person i believe and essentially a lot of the book is is told within the minds of the characters so you really get to see 
not only what they're saying out loud, but also what they're thinking behind, you know, yeah. behind their words. So you can see their intentions. It's a very political story. So you can see a lot of their intentions, a lot of their, you know, actions that they're thinking about, what they think about other characters, which the movie just, you cannot, you can't do that. So it's very hard to, um, I guess, adapt that side of the story. Um, which in turn is why I believe the film was told in a first person perspective from Paul himself. The story is told um, from Paul. I actually have a separate um, <clears throat> title for the book for the movie. Um, so the movie is called Doom Part One, <clears throat> as Nicholas said at the beginning. But I believe the true title should be Doom: The Death of Paul Atreides. Wait, so if we're doing spoilers, Paul didn't die. Right. (laughs) So why would you call it that? Essentially, essentially, um, I won't get into spoilers of the second, you know, the second movie and the second book, but essentially at the end of the movie, Paul is not Paul Atreides anymore. He goes through sort of a transformation into um, something that I think we'll get into later, but basically this messiah type character um, that's going to um, possibly fulfill a prophecy. Um, so I believe the entire movie is about him going through that transition and becoming, basically killing himself as sort of his visions show throughout the thing. It's showing that he's dying, but he doesn't know how. It's basically killing of himself Paul Atreides and becoming somebody new going forward. Yeah, that's an interesting point because, like, definitely reading the book, even though Paul is like, you know, the mo- if not the main character, like the most important character, um, it, it, like to me, it never really felt like he was like a character in the same way that Harry Potter is a character when you read Harry Potter, or, like some other thing. He was more of like a, I don't know, there was there wasn't a lot of humanity to him. It was more like he was a a concept or a process or he's like this thinking machine but he doesn't have like the same like emotional emotions or yeah yeah I, I definitely got the same thing I you know I think I mentioned to you this maybe before that I believe Paul is more of a symbol um, for change for evolution uh, there's multiple parties hoping to use Paul as their sort of guiding force towards their own intentions. Um, you know, we can get into those groups later, but just finishing up, I guess, my thoughts on yeah. the film. You know, some characters didn't get enough screen time or enough attention that I would have liked, mostly side characters that I did like in the book. Um, but, you know, atmospherically, visually, audibly, I thought this film was amazing, but due to the the... the how difficult it is to adapt this book to film. I think a lot of the story that a lot of people liked was was lost a little bit. Gotcha. Alright. Alright. Abe, thoughts? Um, well, I definitely agree on the visual aspect of it. Because in a lot of movies, the setting is more so... Like, this movie could have happened anywhere. And then it's about the characters and about the events. This movie could only have happened on Arrakis, and the movie definitely does a good job of saying that. Like, the the desert and its aspects are so interwoven throughout the entire story that it feels like the desert is 
a character in a sense and that you see like different sides of it with the storms and like it's calm parts and then the worms and like the environment and all of that is really great but i thought the characters themselves like the people were really bad i couldn't connect to any of them i didn't like root for or against any of them just because they were just very vague and uh unhuman in a way they were two-dimensional like Jason Momoa's character Duncan just spends a lot of the movie clapping Paul on the back and saying, my boy, and then just killing people. But I don't know anything about Duncan. I don't know what what his motivations are or, or like who he is as a person. Similarly with uh, Paul's father, the leader of House of Atreides, he's in a one scene at the start where he's like, I didn't want to rule either, but now I do. I wanted to be a pilot. And then you don't see much of him for the rest of the movie. The mom, the mom is more fleshed out, but her like, motivations are very strange and like does she like paul or did she do this to as a fuck you to her order or to bring about the messiah mm-hmm. and then um so and again the factions were i mean i guess it doesn't have to be morally great but in this movie you know who the good guys are and you know who the bad guys are very much so atreides is the bastion of like look they're so advanced and they're so good at fighting and they're also really good people and look at the fremen they're so natural and so wild and so cool and then look at these gray guys on this planet where it's always raining and everybody has red eyes and like i wonder who, <laughs> who do i root for i i mean i guess it doesn't have to be morally great but i find it easier to like a movie when i'm thinking about like oh well what are these actions and why is this character taking them rather than being like oh they're evil so they're gonna kill the mom and the son that makes a lot of sense um, uh, the sound at the theater that I viewed it at was very poor, which made it difficult to hear dialogue occasionally, and the music was, like, giving me a headache. So I think if I rewatched it at a different location with subtitles or maybe at a smaller volume, I would have enjoyed it more. But, yeah, no. Uh, I guess my highlights would be the setting and, like, the set design, and then my downsides would have been the characters and their actions. Nice. Mm-hmm. All right, yeah. I, so I liked it. Um, I liked it. I didn't love it. That, so I read the book. I liked it. Thought it was interesting, but like didn't love it. A lot of the problems that Abe was describing, like the the lack of like caring for the characters, that was like my main issue with the book. Um, which is not. I don't know. If, might not be a knock on the book because the book was going for different things. But anyway, um, I thought the movie did a really good job of bringing the book to the screen. I guess so. Yeah, like, the visuals were great. It's funny, too, because I actually thought the movie made the characters so much more, like, brought them to life in a way that the book didn't. Because even though you can, you know, you read what's going on in the minds of all these characters, they feel very, I don't know how to describe it, they're just very, like, calculating and less like people, whereas in the movie they, they seem more like people. Um, I also, I really liked the cast. I thought, like, Oscar Isaacs and... Um, Javier Bardem, I don't know if I'm saying his name right, the guy who played Stilger, and Jason Momoa, and, like, really the whole cast did a good job. Um, so, yeah, overall, I liked it. I didn't love it. Um, but I think if you really liked Dune the book, you probably liked the movie pretty well. It did a pretty good job of not cutting too much that, too much out that, like, you know, changed mm-hmm. from the book, even though it had to cut some things. So those are my general impressions. Um, I guess I had I did have one weird sensation about it in that the entire movie felt like a really long trailer for the second movie, like with all his visions about future events and references to future events, 
none of those like played out in this movie. Like Zendaya is like a a common thing that he dreamt about and that he like thought about, but then she only appears in like the last ten minutes. So, yeah. and then to that extent, I was having a conversation at work today that uh, put it in my mind that the success of this movie could very well be predicated on the success of the second one. Because of how much this one is a setup to that, if that one is good, then people would be like, oh, well, this is such a good setup, so this movie was excellent. And yet, if the second movie is bad and does not follow through, then they will be seen, well, this is a two and a half hour setup to something bad. Like, why would you waste your time watching this? Which is, yeah. I mean, we won't know until it comes out, but I think that they've really linked these two movies together in, in their success. So I guess I, I, counter, I counter your sort of trailer theory... With two things. One, initially... Uh, you can match. You, don't, you can't reveal I your play. trap card. That was my opinion. And Auto so... Three. <laughs> this lets me draw two facts, you liberal. Please don't care about you. Like, this is a discussion. I'm not here to attack you or anything. No, no, no. But uh, it kind of goes back to what I kind of opened with, which was what I think the new title should be, um, The Death of Paul Atreides. I think that is essentially the main focus of this this film, yes, it is setting a lot of a lot of stuff that's going to pay off down the road. But you can say the same thing about almost any film series, trilogy, anything like that. You know, think of you know Lord of the Rings. Like you end with a lot of stuff so, that you don't know what's going to happen. I thoroughly disagree with that because the characters in the Lord of the Rings, like the first one, undergo a significant change. That even if the second one doesn't exist, like. Frodo Baggins is significantly different after Balrog drops than he was at the start of the film. Mm-hmm. Gandalf, you presume, is dead. That's a massive change. Mm-hmm. Like, they, there, a lot of things happened in the movie. Mm-hmm. Whereas in this one, Paul kills one dude. That's, that's his whole arc. He starts off as a dude who wants to go see the Fremen. He wants to interact with them. He ends as a person who wants to interact with the Fremen. He wants to learn with them. He wants to live with them. He hasn't undergone, like, a significant change other than the fact that he has now taken one life. And it was never predicated in the beginning of the movie that he had never taken a life, or that he even had an aversion to it. Like, that's not a character trait that we know that he has until they say, the mom says, Paul's never killed anybody. Nobody has ever mentioned that as, like, something that he has trouble with. Like, in the beginning of the movie, he wants to go with Duncan to the combat zone. So, it's, it's strange. So, like, we'll see the development later, but as far as this movie goes, he hasn't done much. Yeah, so I think, like, I think that he does go through a transition, but it's, like, kind of hard to see it in the movie. It's, It's I think as far as making a movie about Dune, it's kind of a hard task because, like, things happen, but, like, a lot of them are very internal, and, like, it's hard to bring it to the big screen, and, like, with something like Lord of the Rings, they're more sort of dramatic moments, like, the death, where you can, like, really, like, feel it when you're watching the movie, whereas Dune, it's, like, a very, um... It's kind of a slow burn, and it's all, like, calculating and, like, slight changes. And, I mean, that was sort of an issue I had with the book, too, was it just, like, the whole thing felt like Act 1 <laughs> to me. Um, <laughs> you can have a, a, a movie be an installment of, a, of a, like, a trilogy or a larger thing and still have it accomplish things within itself. Like, Iron Man does set up the MCU, but Tony Stark undergoes a massive shift. And so the movie, while being a setup, still has a self-contained story that has, like, stakes and and changes. And I don't feel that Dune has a lot of that. I think that is because 
the story isn't about the characters. Well, the planet so definitely doesn't change. Th- this is my theory in terms of the, the entire, both the Dune book and I've you know, grouped in the Dune film. Like, it's about the book. So, mm-hmm. um, I think, and I've, you know, done a little bit of reading on it, is that basically this book was about the rise of oil dominance in the Middle East, um, the rise of OPEC, the influences that outside countries had on this region and how it kind of destroyed the region and prevented it from basically evolving into something that we see in the West and in the East as well. It's um, basically the spice is the oil. Um, Dunes are obviously analogous to the desert-like climate there. And the worms. And the worms are <laughs> the worms. <laughs> I don't know what the worms are, but, have worms like but that essentially, the the, you know, <laughs> these houses that keep coming into the planet or the Middle East and taking control of basically the resources there are kind of analogous to what we see yeah, in, in the Middle East today. In that sense, though, what what role is Paul? What role is Paul? That's, that's very confusing then because. That is like a very like large scale concept. How do you tell that through the story of one person? So Paul is essentially religion. Yeah. Uh, this yeah. this symbol, this this Messiah of change. So like I said at the beginning, with these different groups, the Benegrisi, Grise, I don't know if I pronounce it right. I don't know. <laughs> and the um, we're sorry the to fr- Oscar Robertson, or whoever wrote this. Oscar Isaac, Oscar Robertson. Wrote, <laughs> no, Oscar Isaac's an actor. Bro. Actually, wrote the books. It stars. So is it Orson Scott Card? No, it's Frank Herbert. Oh wow, I was <laughs> Oscar Robertson's an NBA player. Now, ignore me. I don't know shit. But essentially. The, the Benegrisi want, wanted him basically to use him to bridge the past and future, whereas the Freeman wanted him to basically lead them to terraforming the planet or evolving the planet into being a habitable or economically powerful nation. Now, the prophecy gets a little shaky, and through his visions that it's kind of foreshadowed that maybe this this leader this this symbol will eventually lead to violence and destruction which is also a sort of play on religion and religious leaders both in the middle east region and today whereas they kind of leads them to destruction war and violence yeah i think that was the sort of commentary on religion was one of the more interesting parts to me and like using it to i don't know if manipulate but like mobilize action on various things um yeah and then the other theme that was really interesting was like like nature like um desert power desert power (laughs) (laughs) control but like control of nature because the fremen are they're like perfectly adapted to the environment that they live in but they want to change it Mm -hmm. and it never at least to me, they, it never really addresses, like, they have, because the, they have this vision, they live in a desert, but they have this vision of, like, gradually, like, introducing more plant life and, like, changing the climate, basically, so mm-hmm. it's, like, more hospitable to human life. Um, and they never, like, really address whether that's, like, a good thing or a bad thing, I guess. Well, didn't they hint at, in the book, like, basically the Southern Hemisphere having this like past the storm i wonder if in future books they go there it dives in there i have the trilogy i haven't dove into the the second or the third one yet 
I don't know if I want to go past um, basically what uh, what was it Frank Aaron? Is that his name? Frank Aaron Herbert. Herbert. Frank Herbert. Mm-hmm. He basically, I, I believe, he wrote six six of the books out of like twenty four, and then his son kind of took over. So I, I I'm not sure I want to read past Frank Herbert's vision because I feel like. I've heard from other people that it kind of gets away from it. It it dives into other planets and all that sort of yeah. stuff. Um, but I do know that the director has talked about, you know, after the second film, adapting the second half of the book, which um, it looks like it's going to be happening. It's coming out in about two years now. Um, he wants to actually adapt the, the second book as well, Dune Messiah, um, which I think dives into... They go, like, off, off planet? I think so. Okay. Um, possibly. Um, but... Um, I guess a little off tangent. I'm not talking about the second movie that's going to be coming. The director has stated that, um, so kind of how this film was more of Paul's film. We see a lot of the events through Paul's eyes and Paul's experiences. This next film is going to be about uh, Chani. Um, so Zidane's um, character will be the point of view, the main focus, which if you've read the book, could be really interesting. Yeah, and I think, I think works with where, where Paul is going. I think that works. I do. So, like, watching the film, it is really funny because Paul... Zendaya's character, like, doesn't pop up until, like, the <laughs> very end. But Paul just keeps having visions of her. Mm-hmm. And if you... I feel like it would be so confusing if I didn't know, like, what yeah. was going on. <laughs> it, like, it's, like, looks like there's just clips from, like, another movie. I wasn't, keep, like, I wasn't a fan in. of that. Like, just have that at the start <laughs> of the next movie. Just have this movie be up, like, until they get to the planet and they get ambushed and leave it on a cliffhanger. Put the next one with all the visions and then throw her in the middle. See, but you're speaking to that as not knowing how much happens yes, in the second half because of the Because a movie adaptation shouldn't be just a complete retelling of a book. And this doesn't hmm, just go wait, for Dune. Why? That's a hot take, really? What's the point of ada- What's the point of just remaking the book? Like Seeing it in a different medium. Yeah, exactly. So if you're going to convert it to a different medium... Why Why would you not also, like, adapt to be the best thing for that medium? Like, translating the book into a script isn't the best way to make a movie just because they're completely different mediums. But I think we already talked about and talking about how basically a lot of the substance of the book was lost just due to the fact that it's almost impossible to show on film. So yeah. they already did adapt it and change they, they it took to out, make like, the best film possible. Seeing, like, their thoughts, yes, but then... They kept all the events and the structure the same when maybe mm-hmm. that like all these visions I don't think work in a movie, especially in a movie that none of the visions come to fruition in. Oh, know? they do though. No. Almost the, yeah, I think I can think of I can think of two visions that set up stuff for down the road, but all of the other ones foreshadow the events at the end of the film. Except for so basically no, I, I have some not. I have some stuff about the visions. Go so ahead. Let me dive in. Go ahead. Basically the visions are symbolizing his death. So you see him dying. You see him, you know, befriending people that eventually has to kill. A lot of these things are foreshadowing. That one was just straight of- up a lie. That was just a lie. That was not coy. They said he's going to be friends with that guy, and then he ends up killing him. That is lying to your audience. No, it's it. So the whole point of his visions are they're not perfect. So essentially, he's been doing so. I, I think we should dive into the Benegrisi and what who they actually yeah, are. Yeah, that's probably good. So the Benegrisi 
Um, are you sure you're saying that wrong? But probably. We're just going to roll with it. They're, they're made <laughs> up. Nobody uh, they're, anything. They're a group of, of women that are usually are paired with the leader of a house. Um, they're usually um, used to um, control people or have them tell the truth, um, sometimes predict the future. Um, yeah. They're a very powerful organization. They, they that, have special abilities. Like, they can... They have the force. They can, yeah, they have this <laughs> thing where they can, like... Like like speak a command to someone mm-hmm. and like force the person to obey basically. Right. And they also have like heightened like perceptive abilities. Like Inumaki from Jujutsu Kaisen. That's a plug. Go watch that show. It's really good. <laughs> <laughs> um, Ignore me. But essentially, so they're they're paired with these these groups, and essentially they, they they're usually a separate organization that usually is helping that group. Um, but in this case, um, they actually have a kid together, which usually is taboo. Um, and this kid has those same powers and he is male and um, the Bene Grise have their own agendas and one of their agendas as I mentioned it has um, having a messiah like character they're operating like a breeding program they're trying to produce like this messiah there was an interesting line that made me think can they control what gender their baby will come out because the main Bene Grise to Paul's mom said "You, you had a boy you were supposed to have a girl which made it seem like Paul's mother made a decision to have a boy, which is a, like the order is usually women with magic no. powers. Basically, she, I, she, I she kept it. She I think that's it. just a common thing in like when people like in like you know actual history where like you know women were supposed to produce like a male heir for the king or something. Yeah, but in this case, they wanted her, him to, her to have a girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I mean, I, I don't think it was like because they're controlling. Control. They're the the leader is essentially controlling who is born. Because they're trying to predict or create this this leader to be able to bridge the past and the future to create a better present. They just made it seem like she had control, uh, like some control over. Basically, she kept it. She kept it. She wasn't supposed to keep it. Okay. Yeah. Um. So he has those same powers. Um. And he goes through a test, and um, it's basically determined that he has potential to be. They have. Um. But he's not. He's not trained. He's not perfect at it, and that's kind of shown throughout the film. But one thing that they discover, or he discovers, is that the spice actually significantly enhances his abilities. So before he was seeing some visions, those visions are either true, you can never tell, and he can never tell if they're true, if they're fake, if they're an alternate version of what could happen. Yeah, if it's like a possibility. Right, yeah. and that, that's consistent throughout the entire film. So as if you watch back, the character that he fights at the end is actually in like five or six of his visions. Hmm. Like, in, like in the background, as a, you know, a side character right next to him, talking to him, being a buddy. Um, they show Chani killing him with the knife, but actually she gives him the knife at the end. So it's very... It's, it, it's not just visions like telling that. him, like, hey, this is going to happen, be prepared. It's, this could happen, and it's really confusing yeah. for him throughout the... And he struggles with that. Yeah. He doesn't want to believe, or he doesn't know what to believe, throughout the entire film. Yeah. And that's, like, that's his internal struggle throughout the entire film is... Trying to figure out what's real and what's not. What's try to control it. Try to resist it. Try to you know he sees you know palm trees burning. Him leading a battle. Him on a ship on another planet taking over. He, he doesn't want that. But all of he these does things, not want that to happen. All of those things are so abstract and not related to what actually happens in the movies that I don't understand their purpose. He could have had these visions in a movie that's closer to this 
final battle or this crusade that he's going to go on. But then it would, it would feel yeah. it would feel out of place if he doesn't have it from the start. No, no, it I'm sense. not saying he can't have visions from the start, but I think they should be. I understand they can't be like completely relevant, but mm-hmm. more relevant. More. I I think like the movie is for people who like the book, I guess, and it's like. I those, just, those are like sort of central. I don't understand the, book. The, the the purpose of that. I'm trying it's, to think of another film that actually like sets yeah. up throughout the film, lays the seeds for what happens in a later film. I'm trying to think of that. And this isn't me saying that all movies should be for everybody. Like mm-hmm. obviously, if people have made a commitment to read the book, they should have like their own movie. But why make it a giant blockbuster that you fill with this star-studded cast? That makes it seem like it's a general public thing when it's catered to a, diff- a certain community. It's it's just confusing. Well, I think it it is a general public thing in a sense. It's making this very complex book that's very I shouldn't say hard to read, but it's definitely hard to get into. It it definitely yeah. it doesn't take your, your time saying, oh, you know, this is this and this is what this means. It's just like here's a bunch of words that you don't know. We're gonna just throw them at you, and then you need to figure it out as you go. Oh yeah, we also that, threw a that's, glossary that's in the bad back. writing. Throwing a bunch of gibberish sci-fi words at people is bad. Writing. So actually, it's not gibberish. It's actually a lot of the words are Arabic, and Arabic in um, origin. Origin. Yeah. They maybe alter them a little bit, combine them with another word, but a lot of them are Arabic. I wonder if Arabic yeah. people read this, and then the Arabic words are just weird English things. Then yeah, but so back to a more central point. I don't know. I think it's like. I'm also, like, I'm not trying to say your criticisms are, like, wrong. I'm saying more that, like, you're criticizing, like, the story, not as opposed to, like, the movie, which is, like, fine, but... Oh, are I'm these saying, visions the, at the same points in the book, then? Yes. More or less, yeah. Well, then, like, my, my criticism is, I guess, in the direction or the storyboarding in the movie, I mean, you could have improved the source material, I think. And and this is what I'm saying about not making every movie just... A, that is a book adaptation, just a... This is what happens when in the book, let's just move it over into a screenplay, then we're just going to throw it, and then it's just like a visual retelling of the same thing. I think if you're taking the time to adapt to a different medium, you might as well make like creative changes that fit your artistic vision, I think rather than being shackled to the source material. Yeah, I mean, I'll also say, like, I think it's cool, even though I didn't love the movie, or, or the book for that matter, I think it's cool that a movie is coming out that's like not so formulaic and like it was very unique like for everyone no exactly like yeah i I did like even if i didn't love everything they did i did like the fact that it was like kind of confusing and you kind of had to struggle with it and like wonder Mm. what they were yeah it was this movie has definitely been more thought-provoking than a lot of films that i've seen recently yeah even if even if the thoughts are like this is bad at least i'm like so can i talk about something that no. Has been bothering me a lot about the movie? No, no you're absolutely not. not. Yeah. Sorry. Absolutely. How do you, how do you guys feel <laughs> about... just going to do it anyways. <laughs> <laughs> this guy. What is he, like, he's on a podcast nice. or something? <laughs> All right, no, no, go on, go on. Probably, like, the worst part about the movie to me was the suspenders that um, the Baron oh, wears. Oh, gosh. Well, how do you guys feel about I that? hate Baron, the floating guy? Yeah. Okay, so in the book, it's like he's, like, super overweight. And yeah. so he has these, like, suspenders that, like, just help him, like, walk. Right, mm-hmm. like they just like take some of the weight off of him yeah. so he can like walk around. But in the movie, he's just like full on like flying, floating. Yeah, he's yeah. like a snake yeah. dude. I was, yeah. con- like, I was like, Doctor Octopus, what are you doing in this? Yeah, movie? I, I was, was confused <laughs> about that. I thought he had superpowers. I didn't understand it was a technology. I, I in the when I read the book, I got the suspenders part, but I also envisioned him like 
Almost, I envisioned him as, um, you know, like in Game of Thrones. Um, who's, yeah, you, you were saying he was the know. Robert Baratheon. Robert Baratheon. I, I basically pictured him like that, but with like a cane and those suspenders basically to help him walk around. Okay. So this very big, bearded, bearded, fat man that's like drunk all the time and has like immense yeah. power basically because he's like physically imposing, not that he's, and, and he's like violent. Not that he's, like, some weird snake alien dude that's bald. Yeah. Like, I don't... I, honestly, I didn't mind that they made him, like, real, like, pale and bald. Like, I thought he looked decent. Well, I just... that fit, that fit what, what is it, his son? Or his cousin or something? Uh, right. Right. Yeah. Played by... Dave Batista. Yeah, that fit so, him, because that's how I visualized him. Dave yeah, just the, I just thought the suspenders looked really dumb. And I did, I did think that... In the book, the Harkonnens are, like, clearly, like, morally bad... But in the movie, they make them almost like they're orcish, like less like not human, like all like they're sort of like I was confused. big and like muscly, and they're all bald, which just like doesn't make uh, sense. There weren't like, any <laughs> female Harkonnens shown either; it was True. exclusively dudes. Mm-hmm. Which is it like orcs where they're all guys and they reproduce asexually? I I haven't read the book. Does, does it say something in the book about? That? I, I don't know. I, I think it actually might. Does it? It could. I because in the book there aren't any females either. Yeah, that's true. So I wonder if... I, I, I bet it says something in there about that. Like I said, this, there's, no, this is book that, one that everybody focuses but, on, but, but there's 24 of them that expand, like, literally everything. Uh, the Fade, you know, Fade Rautha or whatever, the Baron's, like, nephew, who's in... No, he's not in the movie, but he's in, like, the book. The guy who's, I don't like, remember who, like, fights in the arena. You know, who Paul fights at the end. I don't remember that part. Wait, what? I don't remember it. Oh, man. In the book? Discourse. I don't remember. Two knives and one of them's poisoned. And he... Oh, okay. oh, which knife is poison? <laughs> Alright, we're taking an intermission. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and we're back. And we're back. Not also, the fact that they gave... Oh, yeah, I do want to... You know who Fade, Fade Ralph is? He's like a major character in the second half of the book. Oh, boy. I don't... Well, I, I probably do. I haven't read it in a... You know, oh, yeah. I finished it, I finished it, like, beginning of the summer. He's, I've... like, the guy who is, like, the Baron's heir. Oh, like, right. Okay, yeah. yes. Okay, yeah, I, I was just going to say that he... Talks about like he wants to like hook up without a woman was my only point. But have a child. But you wonder, <laughs> you wonder if it's you wonder if it's a woman of his race or if it's somebody else. True. What if it's like clownfish where there's like one woman and when she dies, the largest male transitions. Well, I mean, so humans, Dave Bautista though, right? is going to become. A woman. Are they? Because they. So you're saying Dave Bautista. It's no, gonna the, become a woman. The bear's not dead. It's cool. It's cool. Everything's fine. He almost died. He had to take a mud bath though. And he... That was strange. It's weird. The whole thing was. Oh wait, there was a girl harking in there. Really? She was helping the dude with the bat. Ah, uh, makes sense. Who's a Benny Jesuit though? Oh, never mind. I'm I'm dumb. Because uh, and then they have the stupid spider. Why do they have a giant spider? Why was that there? <laughs> because they're evil, and you, need, you don't you forget it. They're bald, they're pale, they've got a giant pet spider, and they take bats and mud. I mean, this kind of describes guys, Urukai coming out of the mud at Saruman Star, but who cares? Who cares? Not the point. Y'all see uh, Polka Dot Man now? Hmm? He's, the, he's the other one from the Harkonnens. Oh, uh, Peter or whatever. Oh, yeah. That, he plays Polka Dot Man. It's the same actor. Dave. Tisa. Uh, <laughs> no, <I'm not. laughs> nice. What's his David name? Yeah, Dast Giant. Mm-hmm. That's a real name. Yeah. He's in the Ant Man movies. Uh, he plays Polka Dot Man in Suicide Squad. 
And he was in this. And I was like, good, go you. Dude. He's a good actor. You're in a big year. He's in um, The Dark Knight, too. Oh, he's the, scared. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. No, that's no, no, no. He's like the. He's the. He's the guy who. Um, he has a small part, but he like follows the Joker. He's like one of the Joker's followers. I'm the Joker. <laughs> he's basically Harley Quinn. He becomes Harley Quinn actually. I am rewatching that show right now. Love it so much. Don't know why they hate Bane. The writers. The writers of the show. They don't like that man. I'm on season two. I'm about halfway through. I just rewatched it. So good. It's good. Mm-hmm. Um, Doesn't need any more live adaptation. Stop it. Just make <laughs> me the fucking animated series. I'm not that I don't like season Margot three, Robbie. Season Big bro. fan of Margot Robbie. But you know, this one's better. So season three. Season three's coming, bro. No, no, I'm just coming. I'm excited. Um, two characters. Yeah. Other than the Baron, I wanted more of the Baron. I also wanted more of Kinds. Oh yeah. I liked like I liked Kinds. It was just they didn't mm-hmm. give. Enough to do. Did they didn't they gender swap? Yeah, they did gender. Yeah. Which like was it's the the emperor's uh, ambassador to Arrakis. The planetologist. Oh, I thought she died. She did. She did. In the book that she... character dies kinda it's it feels early, but in the movie it feels even earlier. Like mm-hmm. I liked her a lot. She was the only character that I really enjoyed. Well, because she has a little bit bigger role in the film too. I enjoyed or her. in the book. In the book, I enjoyed yeah. her a lot. Mm-hmm. She was the. I was sad when she died. I and thought she was gonna ride some worms. Oh, know. she yeah. definitely was. She was about to ride the mm-hmm. worms. We didn't get to see it. I like that they teased it though. I like that they didn't just dump, dump, jump into it because in the book they hold it for yeah. really long. In time. In the book, you don't know that they can ride the worms for like six hundred worms. Like six hundred words is like wait, not that much. Pages, <laughs> okay, <pages. laughs> that's fucked up. Like all of you, on the second page. I still didn't yes. know. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's fucked up. Because that, that's cool. They should, there should have been more worms. That's my number one. Yeah, how do we feel about more. the worms? Love oh the worms. Oh my gosh. Hey, the worms. worms. Yeah, and I mean, you are a worm expert. I, I am a worm movie expert. worm. Yeah, they, so. The way that they showed how the worms move through the sand, you know, how it kind of like sinks around them. And yeah. they, you know, they, they're kind of like a, they're controllable, but they're also like this mind of their own is this immovable force almost like nature itself no, they're, I, they're so powerful that they make the desert like water like they right. sand, like no water. I, I like oh. that they were like worshipped and like this larger than light figure mm-hmm. that the tribes were like yeah this is a god mm-hmm. this, this worm I think their name, it's our god I think their name actually in the book with they, they, they don't maker. call maker and I think old man because like they're they're like almost Old eternal, worm. or like they they live for so long. There, there's like a translation uh, there. What they call on that kind of like translates to like this old wise man or something like that. Got it. They're biologically a little confusing. Like one of them ate a metal station, and also creatures of that size are generally vegetarian. Like how much nutrition could a person offer a worm? They feed of like the size that they are. I think they also feed up the spice. Yeah, they do. Do they make the spice? Do they? I think they do. I think they're producer of the spice. Don't know. Just off the surface, it'd be confusing because like you need like a lot of energy mm-hmm. to to be a worm yeah, of that thing. size. Yeah. What did you guys think of the depiction of the voice itself? I thought it was decent. I liked how they they kind of like made it loud and they like mm-hmm. layered voices. I thought it was cool. I thought it was unique. I definitely was like, when I read the book and knew the movie was coming, I was worried about how they'd show it because I thought it'd just be, I didn't know how they could do it really. Yeah. Cause it's really, it's just, it's just talking with a different tone. Yeah. That's essentially I, what it is. I thought it was kind of really unique how they did it. I think I, I just imagined it as sort of like normal speaking, but mm-hmm. I liked how they did it. Yeah. 
My friend who's at an IMAX said in IMAX you could like feel it in your chest. Ooh. So I, I thought it was uh, a little hard of hearing. Like I thought it hurt my ears when I saw it. So Yeah, I, I can see how sound this this film, like you know, it's it's audibly amazing, but if you don't have the right sound set up I think they it, mixed it. It's gonna mess you up. I think they mixed it poorly. I think the music was extremely loud during conversations, which is in my head, like, why would you do that? <laughs> and I also thought there was music playing, like, for the entire two and a half hours, which, like, again, why? Like, it's good. It was good music, but too much of a good thing. I, I, I didn't catch that at home. Honestly, yeah. I watched on my laptop, and I barely noticed the music. <laughs> <laughs> so, see, yeah, so maybe this, you know, the director envisioned this being an, an IMAX film, which, I'm believing. 100% which is, fine. You know, makes it for IMAX. That's the best way to see it. This movie if you see it in other ways, it still works, but you might miss out on a few things. Yeah. Um, I really liked the ornithopters. I liked all the machinery. Yeah. I thought that was, like, really cool. good. You know, how they kind of made things... They were just unique. What do you think it. of the shields? The shields? The shields are bad. Kind of dumb. Like the bad? personal shields? Yeah, it's like it's like reaches red when it runs out. It's no, like, no. It's like a video. Essentially, do you you guys know how the shields work, right? I, I mean, so the shields. shields aren't traditional shields. They don't block things. They slow down time. That's well, what that they was do. never explained. So you, the best way you, the best way you can the best time you can see it is when Duke when the Duke gets killed and he gets shot in the back and he's trying to reach for it. It's very slowly going through the shield. Another time you can see it really good is when they're uh, being attacked and the bombs are dropping and then they go, it, it hits it, it turns red and it's delayed and then it goes, then it explodes no, basically. It's, it's like, think of it like molasses. Yeah, it just looked yeah. like it slowed it down. But, yeah. But the visual the, effect the, was poor. Yeah, I didn't like the visual effect. I, I thought it was like okay. I but. thought it worked. I didn't like it the first time I, I watched yeah. it, you know, when they're fighting it. But the second time I watched, I actually thought it worked really well because, I, yeah, I just thought it worked. Yeah, I don't know. How, I mean, I don't know how else. Just remembered that Josh Brolin was in the movie. Holy shit! That that was a forgettable. You mean part. Thanos? Thanos, yeah. No, I don't. No, I do not. Actually, thank you for bringing that up. No, I don't. <laughs> no, I don't mean that. I mean Josh Brolin. I'm excited for yeah, some of those side characters if they go the route that they do in the book, um, where. Should I get into it or should I kind of leave it? I, I don't know what you're about to say. Just <laughs> kind of what where they go. Or how what like, like their their kind of story, yeah. Yeah. Just like, like yeah. so like they get there's confusion as to what happened mm-hmm. at during the ambush, during the attack. So they believe things that we as the audience know didn't happen, which creates some very interesting relationships or you know Interactions. Interactions, um, which I hope they kind of expand on. We'll see. Yeah. Um, one more point on the effects. I wasn't a fan of like the the how they made the eyes blue. I thought what? it looked bad. I didn't like really? that either. Felt Did you very, expect yeah, them to like glow yeah. or? I think I either expected them to be like pure blue, like pure, like no yeah, pupil, like no pupil. Oh, that'd be weird. Or. Just more, like, they just looked very unnatural to me. Like, just a little bit more natural looking. Um, other thing, I wish there was more of the doctor. Mm, doctor. Yeah, because yeah. 
He's such a small character. Like, I understand why. It wasn't as shocking. Yeah. It, like, when he showed up and it was revealed that he was kind of behind, or, like, helped this uh, attack go forward, this betrayal, I didn't feel it the way I did in the book. In the book, I was like, what? No way. Yeah. Well, and also in the book, you know that he, like, feels bad about it, which mm-hmm. it's hard to show. It's hard to tell. Yeah. He's just like, take this tooth and bite it, and this will make it all better. His death, his death was also very predictable. Like you just knew the bear would oh, yeah. be like, "Yeah, your wife's dead now. You are too." Like mm-hmm. the, it was just like, "Yeah, this is the natural progression of events. This is what." In the in the book, it's it's established earlier, I believe, why like why he like you understand that something happened to his wife, and that's yeah. why he hates the Harkonnens. Like way before any of that, that was never done in the movie. Right, like, and that's he, what he that's brings what I, up his wife out of nowhere. Right, and that's what I mean by like these side characters not getting enough because like they're all in the book they're like all you see you get to see in, yeah. in you get to see in all their heads so you get to you understand all of their perspectives and kind of like what their their goals and intentions are in in a sense i think gurney's a little bit more vague in the book yeah. until maybe, later maybe the movie would have been better off than like cutting some of the characters and focusing more on a fewer number and then they wouldn't feel all so auxiliary. Like, I understand in the book that they all serve a purpose, but this is what I mean by, like, you can't do that in a movie. Like, you right. just don't have time, so... I think that goes into... Uh, Nicholas told me something just the other week um, that you thought that oh, this would have worked this. better oh, as, yeah. like, a 10 or 12 episode series. Yeah. Which I think I think I agree with that, is I, that I as well. you could definitely just take more time... With each character, flesh them out. You can still have those big set pieces, those big things. If if it's limited, it's not like multi season. Um, but yeah, I just think yeah. that would have. You could have like a you could have full episodes that were just dedicated to like understanding the character mm-hmm. motivations. And- but I think I think the studio wanted believed that this could be a. I mean, a big success. It had the definitely has the potential to be just the grand scale of it. Yeah, and seeing it on the big screen too. It's right. Yeah. So there's a there's a give and a take there. You know, if we don't get the visually stunning film that we got, if it's on say HBO Max as yeah. as just a series, I don't think we get that. No, and I like I said, the set was amazing. Like the right. desert and the atmosphere mm-hmm. was amazing. I don't know. Fun fact about the the desert and why you decided to. Use that. So from the book, I think but it's also set in the desert. Yeah. So Frank Herbert actually said in an interview that when he was out, he's in, alive. I don't think so anymore. No, no he died because he only wrote six books, and then his son took over. Um, but Frank Herbert was over in Portland, I believe, or over on the West Coast, and basically famous desert. Early in the 1900s, there was this big um, storm that blew all the the sand from the beaches into this town and, like, buried a lot of the, mm-hmm. you know, local town, I believe. And, it you know, now that in, along that coastline, basically it's just tons of dunes. And he always, uh, as a kid, uh, yeah, <laughs> as, a, oh, as a kid, he would always go there. You know, his parents would take him to the town or he lived close by. I can't remember quite, but that's how he got kind of the inspiration to set this or how it you know it's so interesting and so well thought out about like you know how these people live and breathe mm-hmm. and survive in this atmosphere is from him envisioning that and thinking about that at this place yeah yeah because you do have to 
whether you like it or not, it, it is a very unique world and mm-hmm. setting. And very, very. The, all of like the technology that's established and it's uh it's like a rare like fresh, you can see, fresh world. Yeah, you can see why Star Wars stole a lot from this. Did, did it? Oh not yeah. A lot? Star Wars George that. Lucas was directly inspired by Dune to create Star Wars. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, like I think we need like, to. I think the next <laughs> different episode. The next film we I'm need to watch is DreamWorks Ants. Uh, actually, I think it's Citizen Kane. I think that one's been on the docket for like a hot minute. It's, been on there it's for not a, a joke. I don't know. No, I. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm just making sure. First, it is our highly anticipated Citizen Drake episode. <laughs> He's gonna sue. You understand that, right? So there's. He's got a very thin skin, Drake. Like famously, <laughs> a thin skin. <laughs> We're gonna get a season to say, and like, what are we gonna do? If we just famous enough. Only, yeah, <laughs> that would we actually might, be very funny. We might fly into the radar, but <laughs> so yeah, push a T on the pod. <laughs> <laughs> if we reach out, do you think he would do it? He's like a he's like a known drug dealer with multi platinum selling records. Yeah, probably. He probably, <laughs> would, like, <laughs> probably. It makes sense. He'd think we're yeah. funny. Yeah, I'd watch. It's a podcast. I'd watch it, man. <laughs> All right, I have one last thing to talk about. One last yeah. point. And then should we, once you say it, should we like rate the movie on the movie worm scale? scale? Yes, I think so. I can explain it then. Yeah, too. yeah. So my last point is I just want to talk about the ending and what you guys thought of how they kind of left off. Okay. Um, if you want me to kind of start with that. Yeah, go for it. So I really, really like the ending because I think it like. How does it end again? So basically, it <laughs> it's been like a week, no, bro. No, like I remember you have early onset Alzheimer's. He fights the guy, but then what happens after that? So they're it's they're it. heading deeper into the desert, and then like off in like off in the distance, you see somebody oh, basically right, riding the worm, the worm yeah. and I just feel like beyond anything, beyond the actions, which is kind of there's nothing that really leaves you there. There's kind of walking off into the desert. I think it just it leaves you with a feeling of like. Oh shit! There's a lot bigger world that we haven't seen yet. There's a lot that we still need to learn, and there's almost like a sense of—I don't know if hope's the right word—but that's what it kind of feels like. It's like, okay, Paul's down, and they're—they were—they were struggling through the desert, and now all of a sudden there's kind of like a, a refound purpose, and I think that comes with how his character changed from Paul Atreides to Paul. Moab, Moadib, or whatever you call it, his new name. That transition, you also kind of feel that, and I think they don't. They don't say it. They don't say it. They don't tell you. They don't show you. It's almost just like a feeling, and that's what I was kind of left with. And I was like, "Ooh, okay, let's go." All right, all right. What did you? Think? I don't know. I don't know if I felt all of that, but I thought it was a. I thought it was good. Well, yeah. I mean, you <laughs> oh, just I think, re- you just remembered I just, they, that. Walked, they walked out into the desert. Yeah, <laughs> person ass. I, I, don't know, man. <laughs> I liked it. Yeah, I mean, I definitely got the. I feel like in the book. There was sort of once Paul like made his transition. Then after that, there was like sort of a sense of inevitability about like a lot of what happened. Like for instance, like with his relationship with um, Cheney, like Dick Cheney. Paul's <laughs> relationship with Dick Cheney. <laughs> yeah, they never really like show, even like show them falling in love. It just kind of like happens almost because it's mm-hmm. like it's meant to happen. Like, like what else would happen? Yeah. Well. Yeah, and it's just like because he can like sort of see like he can calculate probabilities. He can see he can see the future more clearly. So, but the biggest thing throughout the rest of the book and the rest of the movies is he does not want 
With jihad. The, the jihad. Yeah. Does not want that to happen. Is that what it's called? That is a little on the nose. Which just means religious war, right? Yeah. That's what it is. That's what it is. But it's just very specific to, like, Islam and, you know... Well, that's culture. the roots of a lot of the film is... Well, I understand. Is that what it's called in the books, I'm wondering? Yeah. yeah. Oh, so he didn't even change it? No. No sci-fi word? No. Most of the words in the book are Jihad's not sci-fi. changed. Yeah. I mean, also, he wrote the book in 65, so it might have had more of a general definition back then, like a, oh. like a religious... I don't I'm just... Mm-hmm. That might not be true, yeah. but... No, it's a, it's a valid... Um, what do you point. think about the ending? I, I think the ending is just a very... I think that I was never going to like this movie, and I think the ending signifies that. I bristle at the white messiah trope. I didn't like that Paul just inherently was as good at the desert culture as all of these natives. I didn't like that. He just had, like... He just got there, and he knew exactly what to do. He never earned it, in my eyes. And same with the fight at the end. How could he win against a hardened desert warrior? He's this posh kid who admittedly did have combat training, but... They spend a lot of the movie talking about how adaptive the Fremen are and how good they are at this. Mm-hmm. And this white kid just shows up and he's better? I I don't... I, yeah. I bristle at that. And I understand yeah. that he's the Messiah and I think that that's why I would never like the movies. I don't like the Messiah story. I don't like the Chosen One story. Well, I, I don't... think there's a distinction we made because he's not... He's not actually the Messiah. It's like the whole thing about him being the... It's the somebody Fremen's put Messiah that on him. Is like the, the Bene Gesserit like planted that. Oh. belief in them and so it's a whole it's like he he is the, he like he becomes the messiah because he like makes himself the messiah mm-hmm. and I, he like uses that manipulation. this is very anti chosen one the film yeah. the, the book well, the movie why does anti- he have all these inherent just like being good at everything traits that a messiah would have if, if it's something that he molds himself into after the Bene Gesserit planted in the in the Fremen because well, I don't he's not necessarily good I think it's just, like, it's showing that he, like, has power, and so he uses it. But, like, how how could this I think new it's, novice defeat a hardened desert warrior? It doesn't make any sense. I wonder if, yes, that point goes against what I'm about to say, but I think a lot of it may be, and I could be wrong, but may be, like, a play on what a movement or a belief can create if it's real or not like what people actually yeah. believe and what that makes them do like, like your expectation like you see what you want to see kind well, of yeah you see what you want to see that's fine but he's he's not this isn't an abstract like he puts on his desert suit the exactly right way the mm-hmm. first time yeah. that's absurd he's surviving in the desert even though he just got there with no problem. Well, I think like in the book he does struggle a little bit more like with the mm-hmm. the fight too it's like he wins the fight not because of, like, innate abilities, but I think because he was trained by his mom, who's a Ben Jesuit, and they have, like, special fighting style kind I of suppose. thing. They, so, the book and the movie play with time in a way that I don't like because it's confusing. So, in the book, there are often points where they jump ahead, like, months or even, like, a year or two yeah. without telling you. And you just kind of, like, you're like, like one, at one point, it, 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 it jumped... And I was reading, and I got, like, halfway through the next chapter, and I was like, wait, when did this happen? And it's like, yeah, like, like, this is, like, way, like, this is a a big jump forward. And I think the movie does that, too, because he's on their planet. You know, House Atreides has been there for months before he even gets there. Yes. And then he gets there, and they don't just go out and explore the desert the next day. 
Like, it's a week later before they actually, or like even two weeks later before they actually even go out to explore the desert. There's no indication of that. There's right. no, that's there's what I'm no, saying. Th- for lack of a better word, training arc, which, I mean, it doesn't have to be one, but right. I can't just, like, it's. Mm-hmm. He just gets there and he's the best, and and this girl gives him this sacred knife. Like why? For why are these events happening? How how are they happening? And it's just it's unsatisfying, and I can't get behind it. Yeah, that, that plays into. Yeah. I mean, that last mm-hmm. the last scene was. I mean, it's a very memorable one with like the dust flowing over the person riding the worm. Love that the sound on the way out. I mean, it just associates that like that like high pitched like. Not yodeling, but like, yeah. Hey, give us a taste. No, I'm not going to do it, but like, well, the, yeah, the woman like fluctuating her voice up and down, like, it's a very desert sound. I think you can do it. I'm not going to do it. Do it for the pot. Why do you, what pot. do you want me to do it? Because I'm from the Middle East? Yeah. Oh. Think about it. Dune it. Try to do it for the pod. I do want to say that I had an amazing title for this podcast, and I think it's the two main hosts. What didn't like it. Yeah, two dudes in a worm bad. walk into a podcast. That could still be the title of this podcast <laughs> if you want it to be. Well, now it's in the podcast. I don't agree with my host. <laughs> what was your... What was <laughs> well, now, First of all, much a Dune about nothing is great, but also Dune a Dune episode. That's that one I like better, but two Dunes, two Dudes, dunes which is the main, the main, yeah, the main of people sand. of this podcast, two Dunes, dudes, and a worm, <laughs> and a worm, movie worm, Walk into a podcast, but now it can't be the title because I said, "Yeah, it wasn't the title because it's bad." <laughs> we can cut it. We can. The, I, we can what? edit it in post. What? what? We can't edit it in post. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta go. You gotta go. Yeah. Oh, okay, we should rate it. So, okay, let's really quick, explain the, uh, okay. the worm rating. So, the worm rating. There are four ratings. Um, Analogous to I don't know if I know you use that word right uh, to a number a number system out of one hundred so zero to fifty fish bait you didn't like it you oh, can I interject real quick sure. so fish bait comes from fish eating worms but the worms on um, arachis are very big so they could never be fish bait unless there was a larger fish the and there's always there's always a bigger fish <laughs> true. The, the implication but. is the movie was so bad that you would use it to catch something better okay okay wait what fish that, bait that makes it but how would you no, never mind, never mind. <laughs> Any, anyways so that's that's <laughs> zero that's, question. that's zero to 50 yeah. 50 to uh 70 is worm just worm <laughs> just worm you're just like uh, it was okay i like some one. things i didn't like other things that's her 70 to 90 is worm approved, yep. meaning that you liked it, um, you'd watch it again. Um, it wasn't your all time favorite, but you generally liked it and you'd recommend it to other people. As we yeah. go on, I have and, more and more questions about but just <laughs> And finally, is Golden Worm, meaning that it's one of your all time favorites, you absolutely love it, and you would recommend it to literally anybody. Okay, I can't. So, Golden Worm, the worm is representing the movie. But worm approved implies that the worm <laughs> approves, so the worm is no longer a symbol for the movie, and the worm is now the viewer. The golden worm, like the worm, you like it so much that the worm and the movie become one. Is that correct? Okay. Yes. <laughs> okay. All right. Thank you. I just I, the clarification. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, I guess what would you rate it then? 
What would I rate it? Yeah. I would give it... Mm, I haven't rated it on the official um, page yet. Yeah, so this, is, this, is this is an exclusive. Yeah. Exclusive. <laughs> I, would, I would give it... Um, Sponsored by BetterHelp. I would give it a seven, 73 out of 100 worm approved. Okay. Damn. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's a lot lower than I thought. Yeah. Because the way you talked about it, it made it seem like... High 80s. Yeah, I mean, I would, I would recommend it, but I, I have problems with it. Like I said, I, you know, the characters didn't weren't fleshed out enough, and okay. I, I would have liked to see other things with them, other, you know, that's in more in-depth things. I'm, I'm, okay, so, yeah, so I just, I thought that you were going to give it a higher score than I was going this to. Is... Yeah, so I'm also going to give a warm approved at an 84. Wow. But I'm, I'm giving it that because, like, it's not that I loved it. It's just that I feel like it did a good job with the source material, mm-hmm. and that's all I can. Mm-hmm. I yeah, I thought my score was going to be relatively much lower, but like a sixty-eight worm proof, like no worm. You're on oh, sixty-eight. You're in worm territory I'm now, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, which means that the worm would eat me, which is confusing that it's a hunter, given that those species are generally more vegetarian. But it's fine. It's whatever. It has teeth though. It does have teeth, but why? You, you don't get that big by eating animals. All the largest organisms are vegetarian. Whales, elephants, tigers. This is this is Arrakis, better known as Dune, the also planet confusing. of Dune. Arrakis, also yeah. confusing because Arrakis makes it sound like arachnid, which makes you think there'd be giant spiders, but there was a worms. spider, though. There was a came spider from a creator. different planet. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe they'll all pay off in the second film. Maybe it's just Maybe. an anagram of Iraqis. I don't know. <laughs> it was a right pleasure... Yeah, to be on this uh, podcast, I hope you invite me back. Yes, absolutely. Please follow, ever... please follow Movie Worm. What, what is it? Movie, movie Worm 18, 18 on Instagram, on Instagram for more movie, movie content. content. And book content. And book content. He's also a bookworm. A bookworm, you <laughs> might say. Reverse Mo- movie worm, movie worm reads. I bookworm like is already established. <laughs> Nobody has a trademark on it, though. You could use it. There's not like all bookworm. There's like a lot. I like movie worm reads better. Okay, good. Because it's like page. movie worm. Mm-hmm. You were you were the movie worm. I'm reading. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. Um, anybody? Yeah. That's. Have a good one. Have a wormy day. Have a. What are you gonna say? Say it.